Okay. It's kind of funny. We have experienced a lot of the uh, weather changes that comes with being outside. When we first started this, it was like 95 and 100% humidity, and we all wanted to be under tents. Now, now we've got them all the way over here and way over here because you guys want to be in the sun. So, all right, we are in, sit this here for a minute. We are in the series called Character to Take the Promised Land. Okay, now I know for a lot of you, we're pretty spread out. There's not a lot of leaders around. So I'm going to ask some of you to be willing today to say, you know what? I'm going to listen. I want to hear what God has to, has to say today. So we're in this series called Character to Take the Promised Land. Uh, so far, Bob's talked about being strong and courageous. Aaron talked about remembering last week. And today I'm going to talk about what you might find is kind of an interesting character trait, but it's obedience. And, and as, we, as we are in summer camp, you know, we were talking about this coming, coming out of the wilderness during this kind of COVID time for us and into the promised land. And, and as we go into the promised land, we have to decide, as we're going to kind of take the land in our lives, we have to decide what character we will have. Now, the real promised land to the Israelites, it said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. But interesting, we think when it says that, we're like, oh, well, that means they just walked in and, and everything was there for them. Who's been on a cruise before? Raise your hand. Who's been on a cruise? Okay. Cruises are the best and the worst things ever because a cruise makes you think when you get home, all your food's going to be there for you. Someone's going to do your dishes. Someone's going to make your bed, right? I mean, that's what a cruise did to me. I, only, I gained 25 pounds and then came home and expected my wife to do everything. And that just wasn't how it was working. Well, in the same way, that's not what the promised land was like for the Israelites. They had to go in and they had to actually take the land. Now, it was all there for them and it was ready. But a big part of that was their character. What kind of character were they going to have? Were they going to follow God in faith and be willing to battle and take what God had given to them? It was a journey of faithful obedience. So today I'm talking about obedience. Now, when I think about obedience, there's kind of two stories that immediately come to my head. The first one is just going to be honest. It's related to sports. Okay, now some of you can relate to it. Some of you can't. But I can especially remember when I was playing a little bit of hockey at Liberty University. I still remember we would come to the end of practice. Well, we had practiced for an hour and a half. We were dog tired. And then, the, and then our coach would be like, okay, now it's time to do sprints. And sprints meant on skates, you had to start at one goal line and go to the red line in the middle and then back and then go all the way to the other one. And it was terrible. Like, who wants to do that? I mean, who remembers from football, if you do football two-a-days or any sport you do, right? You know when you get to the end of practice and coach is like, okay, it's time for sprints. Nobody wants to do that. And, and it seems kind of weird to say this, but it's true. It was a battle between my flesh and faith. Now, my, my faith that I'm talking about with, within this hockey world was the faith in my coach. Like, I had to believe that my, my coach actually wanted the best for me, and he wanted our team to do well. And it's true. If we were willing to do it, if I was willing to trust my coach and say, okay, coach, I will, we'll, we'll do these sprints, then we knew when it came to the third period in a game, because we did those sprints at practice, we would have legs in the end to be able to push forward. And so I had to have faith. But my flesh said, no, I don't want to do that. We just practiced the whole time. Why do I want to do sprints now? We had to trust the coach. So that's the first idea of obedience. And 
you all, you all obey somebody, whether it be your parents, your teachers, your coaches, your friends, or even yourself. We all have this dilemma. We're going to obey somebody, and we got to choose if we're willing to obey. And choosing is that character trait. Will I choose to obey the Lord? Now, there's another story that, that kind of hits for me a little bit more spiritually, this idea of obedience. So I had uh, I'd gone to Liberty, and I was getting finished up. Uh, I finished my undergrad. I got my undergrad in youth ministry, and then I started working for Liberty and that allowed me to get my master's degree, my seminary degree for free, which was really cool. So I worked full time and was getting my master's. And so I'm, I'm working on my seminary degree. And this whole time as I'm working on it, I'm working full time, kind of volunteering in a youth ministry, mowing a ton of grass, all the snow that would fall down, we'd have to clean it up. And so when I was getting towards the end of my seminary, my last year, I was kind of like, okay, God, I'm really ready to be done mowing grass. I've mowed the same grass for almost three years. I'm ready for something new. And so towards the end, they had this uh, kind of career fair, like a ministry fair at Liberty, where a bunch of these different churches came and they were sort of like, hey, we're hiring for different jobs. And so I went to this career fair and there was this church uh, down in Texas that was offering uh, an internship that, that I was pretty sure would turn into a full-time job. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like, this is it. Like, they, they, they ended up uh, were willing to, willing to hire me for the internship. And I was like, okay, it's going to be sweet. I'm going to get done with my master's, my seminary degree. And I'm going to go, go down right into um, this ministry down in Texas and work at this church. And, and it all seems like really, really good. And I was like, this is what I want. I am so done mowing grass. I want to be working in full-time ministry now. And so I was married at that point to Wendy. And, and there's been more than one time my wife was a whole lot wiser than I was. And she's like, you know, your family lives in Richmond, which is two hours away. And my family, her family at that point was in Rochester, New York. So it's about 10 hours or so away. She's like, if we move to Texas, that's a long ways away. She's like, let's be wise. Let's actually go down there and just kind of see the church and see what it's like. And I can remember this is the first time in my life I shouldn't, it shouldn't really be true, but it was. It was the first time in my life where I really prayed. Like I was really praying going, God, would you put Wendy and I on the same page? Would you just really let us know what you want us to do? And so I'm praying in one sense. And then another sense, I'm like, oh, God, I really want this. This is what I want. I'm done. I want to be done mowing grass. So we fly down there and it was a great trip. It was actually the time we went down there was the, when the Ravens won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And uh, I do like the Ravens, sorry. And so we get down there. It was a great trip. Everybody at the church was super nice. The staff there was great. You know, it seemed like it could be a great position to take. But we'd been praying. We'd been praying as a couple, praying individually. And in one sense, like I said, I wanted to take this job. But in another sense, I had really been praying. And so I remember getting back and we were talking a little bit about how it went, and then, we, and then we got back, and we both just knew within our spirit that God was saying, that is not where to go. And that was really hard for me. Honestly, did not want to obey that. Everything inside of me wanted to say, I want to take that job. I want to be done mowing grass. But I knew God had said, obey me in this. This is not where I want you to go. And so I ended up having to tell them, hey, I'm, I'm not going to accept the job. 
I didn't say this to him, but I'm just going to keep mowing grass. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I didn't know what was going to happen next. And so that was uh, in February, end of January, February. So I went back and I can remember for a while there, it was kind of hard. I was kind of disappointed. When I was mowing grass, I'd be like, man, I'd much rather be doing ministry right now than mowing grass. But okay, God, I know I trusted you. So even though I don't like it, I'm gonna keep walking this out. So fast forward to like May timeframe through a bunch of different circumstances and relationship. I heard about a job at this church called Reston Bible Church. You ever heard of that church? And yeah, and so I ended up by God's providence uh, coming here and taking a job here. And this is 100% where God wanted, wanted me. And it was hard. I had to be willing to say no to my flesh. My flesh wanted that job. And it was a good thing. There was nothing wrong with that job. But I'd be willing to say no to that to obey the Lord in faith. And so this is the point of today's message. If you want to take one point away, obedience is living by faith, not my flesh. Obedience, if you're going to write one thing down, it's this. Obedience is living by faith, not my flesh. And, and so obedience to the Lord and all things comes down to, will I obey my flesh or will I live by faith? And we're going to talk about some details of, of what that will look like. But let's be honest, it's hard. I'm not going to get up here and say, oh, it's just so easy. Just obey God in all things. It's, it's super easy. And I don't think God's word, God's word recognizes this battle within us to either live by faith or live by our flesh. Here's what Galatians 5, 10, 17 says. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, it's kind of interesting that that actually says they keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma for every one of you sitting here in these seats. I believe this. We all want to experience God. We all, each and every one of you, I would say 95% of you, if I was to take a guess and walk around and say, man, would you give me an honest answer? No one else is listening. If I were to say this, I think you would all say, I want to see and I want to experience God in my life. I want to see God do something. I don't want to just have that typical Christian life where I kind of come to Sunday morning, I come to Wednesday night, and then I leave. Like you would all say to some degree, I want to see God work. And that's by faith. So the dilemma is we want to see God work. We want to experience him. But the dilemma is we just don't really want to act. We don't really want to obey because it might be hard. It might mean we might not be as cool. It might mean we have to deny our flesh what, what our flesh really wants because our flesh might say it's too hard, it's too weird, it's too awkward. So often we see, we hear God calling us to do something, but we're just like, no, God, it's too hard. Yeah, I, I know there's stories about you working, but I don't think that's really going to be true for my life. And so that's the dilemma. I think 95% of you to possibly 100% say, I want to see God work. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person beside you and discuss this question. When is the most recent time you knew God was telling you to do something, whether you obeyed it or not? And what was it? To the smallest thing or the simple, to the biggest thing? What was, when is the re most recent time you knew God was telling you to do something, whether you obeyed it or not? 
What was it? Talk about that for a minute. Like, when was the last time God called me to obey something? For some of you are like, I don't know. Like, have I really heard God? Well, I've actually had a couple of recent conversations with some students in the student ministry. And they, they kind of said that, that at first. They're like, they're like, oh, like, I don't know. And I just said, well, we just started talking through it. And it's not a mysterious thing to, to hear God call you to obey something. We, a lot of times, this is how I put it. We think we need to be driving down the road and there needs a billboard that says, Lee, do this thing. Oh, then I know it's God. It must be God if I see the billboard. Or is he going to write it in the clouds? And God's like, no, like, you read the word this morning? I had something in there for you to obey. I wanted you to hear me. Oh, your parents, they told you to do something? That's something to obey. Oh, you had a friend that, that God said, man, take a step and care for them? That, that's a step of obedience. So it's not mysterious, and God is speaking to each of us here. And I pray that even in that simple question, you realize, man, God speaks to me, and he wants me to obey. But I have to choose to obey. Obedience requires action. And, and it's not an obedience that says, well, if I obey, then, then I'm saved, then I'm going to heaven. It's not like that. It's just God says, I want this to be a living relationship where I actually talk to you, and you hear me, and you listen, and you get to see me work. See, the obedience, living by faith, not by my flesh, means I get to see God work and do some really cool things. And, you know, the, Is the Israelites— there, there, we're really no different than them. This struggle to not live by my flesh, but live by obedience. And so I'm going to talk to you about two stories. Aaron actually touched on one of them last week, and it's the crossing of the Jordan. I'm just going to hit it at a little different angle, and then we're going to talk about one that a lot of people know. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. It's okay either way. But the walls of Jericho falling. Open up to Joshua 3, if you got your Bible. Open up to Joshua chapter 3. Okay. Joshua chapter 3. It's good. I hear pages turning, even outside. All right, Joshua chapter 3. So let me give you the background. So this new generation of Israelites, because all their parents died in the wilderness because they didn't really want to obey God. So they wandered around for 40 years, and God said, look, you're going to die in the wilderness. Your kids are actually going to take the land. So there's this new generation of Israelites that really haven't seen God work in the same way that their parents did. They're about to start this conquest into the land. And Joshua, their new leader, he sent spies into the land and he found out the people in the land, dude, they're scared. They are scared of the Israelites because they heard about them getting out of Egypt and what God did for them. Isn't that crazy? The people are actually scared in the land. So now we remember the Red Sea crossing, right? We got that. We've talked about that. Now, we get to this crossing of the Jordan River. And I think God wants to bring them to one of uh, these river crossings again because he wants to show them like he showed their parents, dude, I am in control of all things. I am a living God that works. So we pick up in Joshua 3, verses 9 and 10. It says this, And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. There's a really important two words in there, and it was this. Living God. God made a promise to the Israelites. He made a promise to them. He said this, if they would obey, 
by walking into the Jordan River behind the Ark of the Covenant. And, and the Ark of the Covenant was this kind of wood thing with gold all around it, and these priests would carry it, and that's where God actually dwelled at that time. He said, if you would follow that into the Jordan River, man, I will hold up the river, and then when you go through, I will drive out these people from the land. That is a promise that God made to them. They could trust God that he would do that. So when obedience comes to living by faith, faith and not my flesh, here's the first thing to take away. The God that we obey is living. That is really, really, really important. And I want to hope you understand that. When, he, when, he, when Joshua says, when God says to Joshua, I'm going to drive out all these ites from you, he's making a really important point there. He's saying all these other nations in the land, they worship idols. They worship false idols that are dead that are carved images, that are made out of gold, that are stone, that are made out of wood. Joshua is making a clear point that the God that the Israelites serve and the God that we serve is a living God. Think about this. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He was alive and he ascended to heaven and he's living. No other God is living. Jesus is the living God. If you let that sink in, if you let it, the reality that Jesus is a living God that is still working and still moving, if you allow that to sink in, that will literally change how you live your Christian life. But think about the idols that we serve, that we think are going to give us what we want, but they're dead. They're not living. Acceptance. Man, so many of us, we all, to some degree, some more than others, man, we thrive off of acceptance. If I'm accepted by my friends, if, if my friends like me, then I feel like I got something. But that's a dead idol. It doesn't give you what you want. What about pleasure? We think, man, if, if, I just, if I'm just having fun, if I'm just doing what I want, that's going to give me. That's an idol. Money, success, fame, material things. A lot of those things aren't bad of themselves. When we make them a God, they will not give us what they want. These things cannot do what the living God can do. Because you know what the living God can do? The living God changes hearts. The living God changes your heart to say, you know what? This year, God, I want to serve you. I want to obey you. Acceptance can't do that. Money can't do that. Fame can't do that. Pleasure can't do that. But the living God can literally change you from the inside out to desire to follow him. And I've seen God do that in my life, and I've seen him do it many of your lives. The living God. The living God does God things. Idols do dead things. They don't give you what you want. Obedience is living by faith, not my flesh. So the first point is, if I'm going to live by faith and not my flesh, I have to realize the God that I'm serving is a living God. He is not dead. Here's what Joshua 3, we talk about 3, 9 said. Come here and listen to the words of your God. Come here and listen to the words of your God. Faithful obedience is in the living God being with you. So, Honestly, a lot of us say that we, a lot of us say, oh, I know that God's with me. If I ask most of you, man, what's a promise God has? One of the first ones you would say is God is with us. But do we really live like that? Do we really live like the living God is with us? Or do we more live like, I want to just pursue what my flesh says? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person beside you again. I want you to talk about this question. Do you think of God as a living God? How does or could that change the way you obey him? 
Do you think of God as a living God? What does or could that change the way you think about and obey him? Discuss that. God was a living God. I have a relationship. How would that change him? So now Joshua first says, look, all these other nations, they're serving idols. You're serving the living God. Here's what he's going to do for you. So now it's time for them to get over to the Jordan River. And so they're there. And pick up in Joshua 3, 14 through 15, it says, So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. And here's what it said. It's just like, kind of like God just adds this in, right? Like it's not a huge deal, but it's there. And he says, it's in parentheses. I don't think it was in parentheses in the Hebrew, but it's in parentheses in the English. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. It's just this little piece. It's this little thing in parentheses. It's flood stage. It's flood stage at the Jordan River. So it's not like they're just coming up to this little creek and they're like, yeah, God's going to kind of park this little creek for me. No, it is at flood stage. And so if we're going to obey God and live by faith and not by our flesh, here's point number two. God will bring us to a place where sometimes it feels crazy and a little impossible to see him work, to trust him. And you know what? When we see him work, it's because we know it was him. It's because we know it was him. Only God could literally dam up that river, the Jordan River, upstream during flood stage so that they could pass through. But there's two things that we do a lot of times. One is we either attribute to God or we either attribute to ourselves the things that we do on our own instead of God. Sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, I'm really smart. I'm really successful. It's because of me. Because of the talents I have. I'm really good at that sport. That's why I've done this thing really good. I'm really good at music. It's all what I did. So we attribute things to ourselves that really it's God doing in us. Or the second thing we do is we make all kinds of excuses as to why we can't do something. It's just too hard. It's just too awkward. I'm going to be lonely. My friends aren't going to be there. God, it's just weird. And so ultimately, the, the Israelites are at this place where they have got to trust God, even though it feels a little crazy and a little impossible, and they got to walk by faith. They had to walk into and through the Jordan. And so Joshua then commands the people to walk, and they do it. And as the priests walk in there with the Ark of the Covenant, it dances up, and they walk through the river. And at that point, they can realize, man, God did that. Now we can trust him. And you know what? Sometimes Aaron talked about this last week. We've got to remember because we see God do things, but we're so quick to forget. I know in my life, I have seen God do some crazy cool things, but often I forget and I doubt again. And God gives us those times in our life to look back and go, that was God. There was no one else that could do that. And that's where the Israelites were when they crossed the Jordan. So they had to come to this point where they're like, God, you brought us to a place where it feels crazy and it feels impossible, but we saw you do it. And then we knew it was you. We knew it was you working, God. So they, so they, they get over to the, through the Jordan. And then we kind of fast forward a little bit, not too much longer, and we get to Joshua chapter 6 and the walls of Jericho. So turn over to Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 to you. It says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Remember, they were scared. And none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. 
Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of a trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down. And the people shall go up, every one straight before him. That's verse 1 through 5. And then I'm going to read a couple other verses to you. Verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. And then I want to read through you verses 15 and 16 just to kind of encapsulate the whole story. So on the seventh day, they rose early at dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on the, that day that they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord. For the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers who went. So that's what they do. They go, they do as God commands them, the walls fall, and they're able to go in. Now, how do you think the people of Israel felt walking around a city? with trumpets just give me a like a couple words what do you think how do they feel silly i'm gonna go with awkward okay you got to picture this this huge city of jericho now if i was if you guys are jericho up on the hill on the israelites downhill down below the hill and it's a huge fortified city it's got walls they had siege works just so you know the israelites had been marching around the desert they had no fortified city. Like this is not back in the days of, of aircraft and aerial assault and all these are modern warfare. Man, this is, this is old school warfare. The Israelites, I mean, they were doomed in an earthly sense to die. Part of the question I have, and I don't really have an answer to this. Someone smarter than me does. I'm like, why didn't, I mean, it says that the people of Jericho were just scared of them, but I'm like, why didn't they just shoot them all when they were walking around the city? Has anybody else wondered that question? Kind of wondered that question. I don't really have an answer. So maybe someone has a good answer. Come talk to me afterwards. But this is kind of a side note, but I just want to say this. The people of Israel probably felt awkward and embarrassed. And they had to choose to live by faith and not by their flesh. And their flesh would say, you are honestly really stupid to walk around this city with trumpets and horns seven times, seven days, seven times walking around. But I think it's the same for us. God calls us to do things sometimes because, you know, we're not of this world. But we want to be, I, I struggle with that. Sometimes so bad, I want to be like this world. I want to seem cool. I want people to like me. And so when God calls me to do something that's a little weird and a little awkward, I'm just like, God, no. It's too weird. It's too awkward. And God's like, sometimes to obey, to see me work, you got to kind of put yourself out there and be a little awkward because then you will know that it is me. And so they come, they walk around the city. But think about this. This is all Israel has. They have spears, they have arrows, and they got some really awesome rocks. That's what they got. That is their weapons. That's all they have. They don't have the siege works, the catapults, the other things to defeat the city of Jericho. It was nothing compared to the fortified walls and siege works of Jericho. But guess what they did have? The living God. It wasn't a dead God. It wasn't an idol. They had the living God 
with them. Israel used different weapons. I got one that they used right here. Let's see if I can blow it, okay? This is a shofar. This is not a ram's horn. This is from an, I think you said an oryx. But this is a real deal, okay? Let's see if I can blow it. I, uh, I really hope they heard that in main service. That'd be awesome. We always have more fun in youth service. If you don't remember anything, just memory blowing that horn. And that's what Israel did. Something that was weird and awkward as they walked around Jericho. And as they did that, God crushed the walls. So Israel used different weapons. Walking horns, their voices. And guess what? Those weapons were not of this world. They had spiritual weapons with spiritual power. And this is, this is, when you think about the weapons that the world fights with, we've obviously got like modern warfare. You know, we've got guns, we've got missiles, we've got all those things. But what about just day to day, how the world fights to stay alive, just to thrive in this world? Anger. If I'm just angry enough, some of you, just to be honest, you're angry here because life's been kind of hard. And so that's a weapon that you fight with. I'm just going to be angry. How about control? If I just control all my situations, that'll be the weapon that I use to fight. What about manipulation? Man, we're all good at manipulation. Let me manipulate things so things go the way that I want. How about power, money, success? We belittle people. If I just belittle people, then I'll feel like I'm on top. And that's a, that's a weapon that the world fights with. Or just even comfort. If life's just not hard and I just have comfort, I'll be good. Here's what 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we talk about obedient living, living by faith and not by my flesh. It's going to require me to battle with different weapons. It's going to require me to battle with different weapons. I want to give you a couple weapons. When you seek, if you really are like, man, I want to start obeying God because I want to see God work. I'm going to give you some weapons to fight with. The first one. Now, remember, they're not of this world. They're different, but you want to see God work? Prayer. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Prayer. Prayer is powerful. I, I don't get it. It's not of this world. But God says, you want, to, you, you want to obey me? You want to start seeing me do some things? Start praying. Start praying. How about the weapon of, of holy living? 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12 says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Man, if you're just like, you are going to look weird if you decide, I want to live holy. You're going to look like the Israelites walking around Jericho. As you just decide to live holy. But guess what? God is going to use your life when you say, Lord, I want to live by your truth. How about this weapon? Not of this world. The Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the thing of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We start living by the Holy Spirit, not by our flesh. That's a weapon that's not of this world. 
and well, how about this last one? There's more, but this one, I don't know. I could have gone through the, the, the armor of God, but I want to take a different route. How about this one? How about evangelism? A spiritual weapon that's not of this world. Ephesians 6, 15 says, this is, this is one of the armor. It says, and as for the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And you want to fight the way, you want to obey God, you want to fight with, with spiritual weapons. Start just sharing your life, what Jesus is doing. It doesn't have to be complicated. You start obeying. So, obedience is living by faith and not by my flesh. The first one was, I'm, I'm choosing to obey a God that is living. Number two was, God will bring us to places of faith where it's impossible to know it is him, where it's impossible, but we know it is God who acts when we obey. And lastly, as we're trying to live not by faith and not by my flesh, it requires me to battle with different weapons that are not of this world. So my question to you is, like, would you want to, like, seriously, would you want to see God work in your life? Are you just cool to just continue to live the status quo? And again, I'll say it again. I think so many of you here say, I want to see God work. It's not complicated. You hear the Spirit. You listen. The simple things He tells you, you just begin obeying. And you just ask yourself, is it against God's Word? Well, if it's not, then why don't you obey it and see if it's the Lord? And start making steps, taking steps of obedience. Let me give you a couple things. You would, some people would say, man, these are crazy steps of obedience. But I say these are just really simple. First one, why don't you pray for your friends? Pray for them, what they got going on in their life. Pray that they would come to the Lord. Pray that they would walk with him. How about this? Let your life be worshiped to God. Do most of what you're doing for the Lord. Take what you're already doing. Just say, God, I want this to be for you. Let your life be worshiped. What if you chose to say, man, God's, God's word says it, it's not right to cheat. What if I just chose not to cheat in school? What about I just say, I'm going to battle temptation, Lord, because I want to live holy for you. That's a weapon I fight with. What if you're just like, wow, I'm, I'm going to obey my parents. Even when I don't totally agree with what they're saying, I don't totally like it, I'm going to obey them because God says they are my spiritual authorities. What if you were just to choose to say, man, I'm going to make my church community, the people around me, they're going to be a priority in my life because I need them to be able to obey you, Lord. What if I just said, I'm going to let my life and my words speak about Jesus. So I'm going to give you one last question. Take about two minutes and I'm going to come up to close, but this is the question. What is the one thing you need to do to obey God this week? What is, like, how is your flesh trying to stop you from doing it? And what requires you to have faith in doing it? Take a minute to discuss that. Sometimes when it comes to obedience, it's always like that first step that's really hard. And so with everybody just your, with your eyes closed, if you're like today, Lord, I, I want to see you work. And God, I want to see you work and I want to obey you. And you're just saying, Lord, I got little faith, but I want some more. And I want to obey you. If that's what you're saying today, I love with truly with everybody have their eyes closed so that people feel comfortable. If you're like, Lee, that's what I want to do today. Would you just raise your hand? We just, I just want to see, I just want to pray for you. If you're like, Lord, I want to obey today. Praise the Lord. And I know some of you are, you can put your hands down. I know some of you are like, hey, I'm sort of there. I'm sort of not. I'm praying that God will work in your heart. And I'm going to pray for those that, uh, raise their hands now and then we're going to worship to end out. Lord God, thank you for your word.
about obeying God. That, that is really what our faith comes down to because you want to use us to work on this earth. You want to use us to obey you, to build your kingdom here. And Lord, I pray that those that raise their hands would, God, take today the step of obedience, whether it's awkward, whether it seems impossible, God, that they would remember that they're serving a living God that is not dead, that is moving and working. And God, we come back here this Sunday with some stories of how, God, you have worked and you have moved in some really cool ways. And that that would encourage those around them that maybe aren't there yet. Lord, they're a little more timid to say, God, I just don't know. I'm not ready to go there. That they would see that they are serving a living God. Okay, so in Jesus' name, amen.